0: Ready in three, two. On today's show, crossover with Rylan Styles from the Locked On Thunder podcast. The Dallas Mavericks eke one out against the Thunder. Just barely got one after a Thunder incredible run in the third quarter. We'll break down this game. Tell you what you need to know about both these teams on today's Lockdown Mavs, Locked On Thunder crossover. Let's go. I'm Doncic, and this is Locked On Mavericks podcast.
1: I don't believe you shouldn't be here.
0: Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks and Oklahoma City Thunder. My name is Nick Engsted, host of Locked On Mavericks podcast, media member and NBA channel manager for the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks for making Locked On Mavs and Thunder your first listen. I guess I should say and or Thunder. Thanks for making Locked On Mavs and or Thunder your first listen every single day. Remember Locked On Mavs and Thunder are both free and available on all platforms, including YouTube, we can see both of our smiling faces here after uh i guess it's a positive result for you as well right if we're, if we're still holding the the tank you know the tanking ship alive uh, but joining me multiple time guest friend of the show the host of locked on thunder what you got for me rylan styles
1: this was an incredible game for the thunder in the match because the thunder played very hard it came they back did. and they still lost so it improves their tank and it improves their draft picks and so ultimately that's all you can ask for. And the Thunder and Mavs always play some really, really good games.
0: It's true. And I will not pretend like I don't know what it's like to cover a team where where you are right now, because you know there, there was a couple years ago, like three years ago, I was about in the same spot where the Mavs were tank outright tanking and you know doing weird stuff. And the Alec Peters game and Dennis Smith Jr. was the best player on the team. It was just weird stuff going on all around. Uh, and so that's a perfect game for the Thunder, right? Like, an absolute perfect game where you play hard, you get close, you get good developmental minutes and good, you know, crunch time coaching and stuff from from Mark Dagnall, and you just get all that stuff like baked into one single game. Uh, a, a third quarter like comeback—they were down twenty and they were resilient and came back, and it was a that was a good. But then you still get the loss, and so you still get the benefit of getting, putting that loss in the loss column if you're tanking. Um, but yeah, it was great, great loss for the Thunder, I guess. If we're gonna start there. Yeah, I think that this
1: was kind of the textbook. I mean, everyone played particularly well. SGA was efficient and he was awesome. Lou Dort was efficient again, which he's been kind of struggling to do that as of late. And again, they got the big loss and they're able to climb up the Tankathon rankings. And I do remember the the Lockdown Maps podcast uh breaking into the draft profiles. Oh, around January first. Maybe earlier than that. (laughs) So you guys know what it's like to be in this spot. Hopefully the Thunder get that draft luck and they can uh kind of build this team out this off season. But so far this season, it's been a nice season to watch. You've seen the progression from SGA. You've seen the progression from Josh Giddy, And Lou Dort is still chugging along as well. So this is a really fun game, and it kind of encapsulated this entire team because without Kenneth Williams to close out this game, they lost in a tight one down the stretch. Had Kenny Hustle been able to play and not in health and safety protocols, the Thunder probably won this game. And that's one of the levels that they're going to pull to try to get worse at the deadline is by maybe trading off a, a Kenny hustle to make this team not win those clutch games as they've kind of been able to do so far this season.
0: He's been that important that he's been in closing lineups and been, you know, cause Isaac, Isaac, every time they play, he'll text me or look at me and say, man, I like Kenrich Williams. Like, I know you told me this every time, but he's been that important to that team. Yeah.
1: He's been the difference maker. I mean, his on-off numbers are insane. And whenever him and Mike Muscala play well, this team usually wins and, and without nice. them in the lineup, and without Kenny hustle in the lineup? Uh, you saw it happen. It was a fun game. It was a, it was a team that still had a lot of talent on it. The team that at times fell into lulls and didn't really know how to close out games. I mean, those two added timeout plays that they are typically great in in those settings failed and, and miserably failed. And they couldn't really get a shot off either time when it would allow them to tie the game or take the lead uh, both those times out of the timeout. And that's all kind of due to not having that veteran presence on the floor that Kenny Hustle provides. He's just a very steady hand on a team that's full of teenagers that doesn't really have that steady hand
0: yet. Kenny Hustle is a pretty good nickname too. It's, it's not Johnny football, but it's like, it's like pretty close to that. On the, Ma- on the Maverick side, you look at this team. It, it's their second game, second win in a row shooting under 40%. I heard Chuck say that on the broadcast as I was driving home. And this team, like these guys can't all shoot this bad for the rest of, I don't know, the rest of time, I guess, right? Like Luca, when is he going to hit a three? When he's zero for six in this game? He's, I'm actually going to go look this up because it just seems like he's, he's missed so many threes over the last stretch here. Uh, since Luca came back two of six, one of six, two of eight, two of six, one of nine, zero for six, one for six and zero for six. Those are the games since Luca came back from that injury and in health and safety protocols. He's just absolutely brutal from three right now. Tim Hardaway jr. Continues his struggles to shoot Brunson. Was it, you know, n- uncharacteristic bad from the field in this one, five of 13 for him. Uh, The only guy that was hitting shots was Dorian, really, and then KP hit a couple of shots here and there. A couple of them were dunks, though, Uh, and nobody was really hitting any jumpers, it felt like, in this game, but the Mavs hit their free throws, and they just clamped down, it felt like, on defense in the second quarter, and then the beginning of the third quarter, try and get that lead, and then in the fourth quarter, it felt like they clamped down. Those are the only times they really felt like they were outright playing defense, but that's where that's what it came down to for, for the Mavs in this game. And but I kind of credit the Thunder defense a little bit to that because I mean they were making it tough for them. The Mavericks several times. They had their ball movement going. They were chucking the ball from here and there. But then the Thunder were able to recover because they play this small lineup of you know, their starting lineup was SGA, Giddy, Jeremiah Robinson, Earl, Darius Baisley, and Lou Dort. That that lineup is all what, like six something to to six eight. It's just, they're like all in that six four, I guess, to six eight, right? If if yeah. On a good day for Dort, maybe, <laughs> but like it's all in that range, and they're all like switchy and all that kind of stuff. So it's a it's a tough defense to play against if you can't post up KP. And they tried a couple times, and it wasn't successful.
1: Yeah, if, if you want to go on Josh Getty's bio, he's six nine apparently, but by the NBA standards, he's mm. six eight tallest player. That's like on the Chandler floor.
0: Parsons saying six ten with a ratchet, like his his Twitter bio. Like okay, all right, we're pushing
1: it's it, tallest man. player we're, on the floor was 6'9", nine with Robinson uh, Earl. But yeah, it's a small lineup. And in this game, that was the game plan. They switched more in this game than they typically have. And it worked perfection. The maps got down and down and down in the shot clock, which I know has kind of been the new style under Jason Kidd. But still, uh, it was not a result of of kind of any system. It was a result of the Thunder playing some really good defense. And being able to be versatile has really helped them make up for some deficiencies in the roster. And so I think that Mark's found creative ways to make this team be competitive. And that's just one of them in getting weird with these lineups. And in the second half, he starts out with Trey Mann in the lineup and has Baisley play small ball five, and then at that point, Basley's your tallest player at like six nine, six eight, six seven, <laughs> and this team is is really really small, and they made a run a little bit in the third, and uh, it was it was a good game for the Thunder, and, and they found a creative way to hang in there with one of the West's best teams.
0: We're recording this during some some late night games. It's MLK Day. A bunch of games are happening. It's an incredible day. Um, you know. Go go listen to um, our our tweet from Lockdown Network that Tony Wiggins from Lockdown Jaguars posted a really good introspective about MLK Day and what it means to him and all that. I think he can say it more than better than I could. Um, but as I'm as I'm sitting here, uh, Russell Westbrook just murdered Rudy Gobert. So we have to, he just completely dunked all over his face, and we have to pour one out for Rudy Gobert and for our boss because uh, his his guy just got absolutely postered by Russell Westbrook. What an incredible like poetic moment that that just happened.
1: That's payback for the jazz series a couple years ago against Oklahoma <laughs> city.
0: Okay. All right. Back, back to our regular scheduled programming. Um, Another thing that, that step that stood out in this game was KP did not finish this game. And I wonder if that thunder defense, that's the, just the small ball, the way that you were talking about, he was not able to take advantage of any of those mismatches. And there's several times where the Mavs try to get it into him. And he tried, I mean, he tried to post up a lot in this game. And he just wasn't able to because of the long arms of these guys. Um, I think it was Mark Dagnall before the game said that they, they started Baisley to be sort of a KP stopper. And if I was KP, I would take that so personally and try and really go at him. And he just wasn't able to, because you know, he can't get, he couldn't get position against them. And then they would come over and send help quick. And then he would, you know, try to do his, he would catch the ball in the post. They would send help real quick. And then you try to spin and then you would lose the ball or, you know, wasn't able to get a good shot off and all that. But Um, Christoph Porzingis was getting frustrated during the game. I noted it about the second and third quarter. He would get missed on some things like Josh Green. When he had that steal and finish, he could have thrown an alley-oop to, to KP. And, uh, there's a couple other times Luca missed him on some, some plays. And then in the fourth quarter, he was posting up. They tried to throw an uh, an entry pass to him. It was not a good entry pass. And it was either SGA or Basley or one of the, one of those wings you guys have that, uh, you know, poked it away from him. And he just got so frustrated. Callie Kaplan tweeted that he went to the bench um, and was so animated Threw the ball to Mavs bench and shouted in frustration as coaches came off the bench for that timeout at that part in the fourth quarter. Um, at this point, we're still waiting to hear the the longer story on that. Hopefully Callie will have that um, and share that later, but he did look very frustrated throughout the game and it was uh, apparent. And I think part of it was that thunder, um, the way that the thunder played defense on him. So, Coming up, let's get into how both these teams have played this season. We'll talk about the uh we'll talk about KP and his whole situation. Is there, you know, a, a trade situation for KP? Is he that frustrated? What is it that's going on with Christoph Porzingis right now with the Mavs? We'll talk about all that and more about the Thunder on uh, on this crossover, Locked On Mavs, Locked On Thunder. But before we do, let me tell you about Prize Picks. Prize Picks is a daily fantasy app that is better than all the rest of them. We've been telling you about prize picks for months. You've heard me, you've heard Ryland talk about it. If you haven't signed up yet, it's time, right now. NFL playoffs happening, the NBA getting in full swing now, and for a limited time, prize picks is an exclusive no-brainer of an offer for our users. Users get $50 for free if a, if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. You got to use the promo code NBA. That's right. Get an exclusive offer available to On fans who use the promo code NBA. Get $50 for free with the promo code NBA. PrizePix is the best daily fantasy prop game on the market right now. So go check it out. Go to prizepix.com or you can download it in the app store right now. All users deposit and use the promo code NBA will get $50 free if your first play scores a single point. Promo code NBA. PrizePix is daily fantasy made easy. All right, Rylan Styles. Let's get back into this game. We were talking about Kristoff Porzingis. We were talking about um, his little outburst there, I guess, in the fourth quarter. The Mavericks didn't play him. They decided to go small against this Thunder team. Um, give me your thoughts as maybe an outsider on on Christoph Porzingis because it seems like he's just it's it's always something with him. It's always something, you know, the injuries, the not fitting with the team, not getting his shot right. He comes back, and you're like, okay, he's ready to get to fit in again, and. Mavs fans have been, Mavs fans and Mavs media have been so hard on him because he's so incredibly crucial to the future of this team. I'm curious what your thoughts are on his fit with the Mavs, his future with the Mavs, what the Mavs ceiling is with him. Let's have a little conversation about KP.
1: Yeah, I think that in this game, you're playing a Thunder team. And and like you said, it it had to be uh, eye opening if he even saw it. Let's be frank, I'm not sure that he even saw Mark say the only reason he's starting Darius Baisley here is because of Chris ops being in the starting lineup and being available. He mentioned that he would have started Darius Baisley and put him back in that starting lineup after he taking him out uh, around December. It would have put him back in that lineup had Kevin Durant played against Brooklyn, uh, you know, with Brooklyn. So it, it, people get lost in Baisley being so young and also being just atrocious offensively for most of his career. He's actually made a, a huge leap defensively this season. He, he is an elite defender by a lot of metrics, and he's been very, very good mm. on that end of the floor one of the team's best defenders, So it's a slight in reputation. It's not a slight in actuality for Oklahoma sure. City to do this to, to Chris Kristaps Porzingis. But if you were Porzingis, you have to have some sort of ego and some sort of uh, kind of confidence about yourself that you're an all-star player. You're much better than Darius spacing For them to say that about you, you're going to go show them that there's no KP stopper on the Thunder. And, and in your mind as an elite player, you think that there's no KP stopper in the NBA. So I get right. the frustration, but it as an outsider, it does seem like what you said at the beginning of this conversation is key. There's always something happening. It feels like I rarely read stories about KP's fit with Luca being incredible, although that's happened in stretches as well. And I I hear way more about the frustration throwing the ball at the bench or behind closed doors wanting a trade or not liking Rick or not liking Jason Kidd's system. I mean, this is a system that's tailor made for KP, as, as you noted preseason and, and with K- Jason Kidd wanting more post ups for KP and wanting to cater around KP, and it still resulting in him throwing the ball at the coaching staff. I mean, this is a coaching staff that's bent over backwards for him and that has to feel like a ton of pressure on him. I remember the day he got traded for and you and Isaac having an emergency podcast is Isaac at the hospital with his baby getting a checkup (laughs) and he's still screaming in a parking garage. Right? So this was a, this was supposed to be a thing of beauty and it's never really panned out that way. It just feels like there's always something and maybe it's best hit the reset button on the pairing.
0: It could be. It, it could be this time now. Uh, uh, oh, here we go. We, we finally got uh, Kelly Kaplan just tweeted out. Finally, perfect timing, Callie. Good job. Asked Kierstas Porzingis just now about his outburst after SGA dunked on him. He said it was a little bit of that. You know, getting dunked on a little bit of everything, and just somebody on the bench said something, and that kind of got my reaction. Just an internal thing that happens, nothing special. Now, Christoph Porzingis is the hardest on himself. Of of, of anything that you think that we say about him or that other Mavs fans say about him, he is the hardest on himself. He's talked about how bad his three-point shot is. He's talked about how his rhythm's not there and he's just not playing well. He has talked about all that stuff before. So I would not be surprised if this little outburst if, if all this is because he was frustrated with the way that he was playing not being able to get not being able to get position not being able to take advantage of man i can see over i can see the tops of the heads of all the thunder players that are in this game but i cannot Uh, you know, get position and dominate in the way that I should against the team that I'm much bigger than. And so I wouldn't be surprised if it was that. If it wasn't like a bigger issue with KP and the coaching staff and Luca and all that kind of stuff, maybe some of that played into it. And I kind of believe him when he says it's a little bit of everything because when Josh Green missed him on that fast break, he got frustrated. Luca missed him on a couple of plays. He got frustrated and they could have just lobbed it up to him. And uh, they either weren't looking up or they, they couldn't get it to him. Uh, because they missed, did, misstepped or something like that. But it'd be interesting to to see, I mean, what, what Nico Harrison wants to do with Christoph Porzingis. Um, because, man, he's a, <laughs> he's a very specific type of player. And you start talking about some of these trades the Mavs are interested in, you know, John Collins, Miles Turner. I'm not sure that KP's the best fit with with guys like that, right? Especially John Collins. I mean, that one doesn't even make any sense if you still have Christoph Porzingis. So it's interesting to see, and I hope that we see um, some kind of resolution or, or something decided or, or Nico Harrison come back or, or the team come back and say, Hey, we're, we're fully believing in Christophe Porzingis, um, you know, around the trade down or So they believe they've said nothing of the contrary right now, but yeah, here we are with Christoph Porzingis again. And uh, yeah, it'll be interesting.
1: Yeah. I think that the blow up today was more so an optics blow. Like you don't want that to happen optic wise after The laundry list of things that's happened with him before moving forward i think that he's still going to be you know a good player and going to be with the team it's just kind of after knowing the previous you know trade requests and non-trade requests and bickering with the organization with luca maybe even after having all that baggage and then today to have that blow up is kind of just something that you don't want to see but also something that's kind of normal i mean this happens in the nba from time to time it happens with players who are fully invested in their team and players who want out it happens in both ways so i think that Ultimately, had it been a clean slate and a player who has never made any kind of waves in the organization, nobody even really cares about it, especially after that explanation post game, and everyone just kind of moves on. So, I think that KP probably deserves that same courtesy, and we'll see how he goes from here on out. But it is an interesting question to, to pose about if the Thun, if if the map should move on from KP or or keep him. Uh, ultimately, I think that you're right; the trade market for him might be kind of dictative to, to where the maps just keep him because there's not really a great option moving on from in the. And the pairing has worked in certain stretches. So if you can get the right stretch yeah, to work sure. with KP and Luca in the playoffs, then all of a sudden it looks great. You only need it to work for you know April till May.
0: I just need to see him do it for like 15 games in a row, right? It just seems like they get into a stretch where they're looking amazing. And you're right. They have had these stretches where they look incredible. They're not on one right now. They have played well separately, but they have not necessarily played well together. I would like to see a stretch where just 15 games of – Oh man, they're playing well. Specifically together, they have that rhythm back that we saw a couple years ago, and uh, and they're both firing on all cylinders. It just seems like it's like a weird relationship where you know, like every it seems like every season you get to see in a season of your life, and like oh, somebody loses their job, or somebody something else, like somebody loses a family member. It just seems like like one one party of the pair is always off. There's something always off with them. It seems like I don't know if anybody's been in a relationship like that where. You know, it's just like oh, something's always off with one of with one of the pair, and so the relationship doesn't work out because of the personal like, de- like stuff you had to deal with. It seems like that's what's going on with, with Luca and KP. Um, but yeah, that's where, that's where we are with with Kristaps right now. We don't know any more about his uh, outburst or his you know frustration. I would guess, and I would I, this is my this is still my guess is that he was frustrated in himself, frustrated in not being able to to dominate the way that he wishes he could against this Thunder team. Um, other things for this Mavericks team. And then next, next segment, we'll move on to the, to the thunder of this one. Um, Jalen Brunson struggled. Jalen Brunson is in some trade rumors. He's got, you know, there's a rumor that he's wanting 20 million a year, which, Hey, four years, $80 million a year. I think I would give that to Jalen Brunson. I don't think that that's a coming from the outside. Does that seem like a ridiculous contract for somebody like Jalen Brunson?
1: I would sign up for that right now for Jalen Brunson. I'd pay him that money tomorrow if
0: I could for the thunder. (laughs)
1: Oh, oh! For I think any team in the NBA could use a Jalen Brunson, honestly. Especially if he's going to be content being used in a versatile role and, and not somebody who has to start but can start for you, uh, then you really have flexibility to build your roster around him. Now, if he, if part of that deal is you must start me no matter what your roster dictates, maybe that's a different conversation. But if he's going to let you have that freedom to start him to, to have him as a sixth man, uh, that is a bargain contract to me
0: yeah the th- the thing is and I'm going to talk about this more tomorrow, having Luca obviously had his money you no know, no qualms about that underpaid <laughs> like all that Chris Off is Tim Hardaway jr Jalen Brunson all making around like seventy million dollars total that's a lot like that is you're talking a hundred hundred and seven hundred nine million dollars for all four of those guys and i'm not that's not a title contending team the, around building around those four guys at this point. And yeah, so that it just
1: seems like for the Mavs, they'd have to, they'd have to trade somebody of that group just to get flexibility to build a championship roster. And of that group, there's only one that can really net you something important in return.
0: And so maybe you have to sell high on Jalen Brunson. This is again, something I'll talk about a little bit more tomorrow, um, but he's 25. He's not like, you know, he's not this young 23, 22 year old guy. That's just coming into his own. Um, he came into the league a little bit older. He's been in the league four years now. So you even look at the difference between him and Luka. Luka's 22 and Brunson's 25. The, the difference in that because of Jalen Brunson went to college for the, for what? Four, he went four years, right? Villanova. Uh, three years at Villanova, but started when he was 19. So, um, yeah, that's an interesting thing that the Mavericks are going to have to figure out. Do they sell high? Do they not? But coming up, let's get into the Thunder a little bit more. Let's talk about this team because I saw them in person tonight and I have some thoughts on this Thunder team. So I'll have you ask me some questions about the Thunder and we'll talk about them coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to put down some money on sports. Hopefully you put money down on the Rams because oh man they just they took the Cardinals all the way to the woodshed and they just left them there. They didn't even beat them. They just left them in the woodshed and went back into the house. Um, you can bet on basketball. You can bet on more of the football games. You can bet on anything at BetOnline.ag. Use the promo code on. You get a fifty percent welcome bonus with your first deposit. If some of you overseas, you can bet on Euro League. Barcelona plus two eighty favorite to win the Euro League. Um, I guess. In, some, in, in something I'm not necessarily following that but Barcelona's plus 280 Real Madrid's plus 350 you can get some odds there on Lucas' former team so go check it out betonline.ag use the promo code locked on again get that 50 percent welcome bonus bet online where the game starts all right Ryland styles let's talk about this thunder team I saw them in person and the first thing I want to bring up in the fourth quarter, I saw Mike Muscala body slam Dwight Powell, and it was a foul on Lou Dort.
1: Yeah, it was not a great call. And then Muscala <laughs> got hammered by Hardaway Jr., and there was no call at the end of the game. <laughs> weird officiating night tonight.
0: Oh, so weird. And Luca was as frustrated as anybody can be. That that weird play where Dort's leg was like out, and Luca like tripped over it, and then he was holding his left ankle, and uh, I was like, my breath came out of me as he was sitting on the floor. But then the whole rest of that possession. I don't know if they went to commercial or if Bally sports was out, like it was for a lot of people out there, but Luca was just yapping at the ref, the entire, not even at Dort, like laugh, left, like yapping at the ref the entire time during that timeout. Tim had to come over and try to like pull him over. But, uh, but yeah, this, this thunder team was scrappy tonight for sure. And in, in every way that they could be. <laughs> yeah. I think that the biggest sign for the thunder
1: was that SGA was really aggressive down the stretch and, mm-hmm. and he was efficient tonight. He was excellent tonight. Tonight was one of those, all star performances for him. He had 34 points in this game on 61% shooting. And, and the big thing to me is that he played selfish on the stretch and played aggressive down the stretch. I, I am a big proponent of sometimes it's best not to play the right way. If you're SGA, who's throughout his career with the Thunder at least has tried to do the right thing, make the right pass, get a go from a good shot to a great shot. And sometimes SGA's good shot is better than Jeremiah Robinson's great shot. Like sometimes you'd rather have SGA with the ball in his hands taking an average or good shot versus another player on the floor taking an excellent wide-open shot because you just want your star to dictate the game. And tonight he was aggressive. He tried his hardest with his team to a win. Uh, they had an opportunity twice out of timeout. either they're trying the or take the lead, just didn't get the shot to fall, didn't get the action to develop that they wanted. But SGA being aggressive and assertive tonight and, and passing up the quote-unquote right basketball play for a better one with SGA's at the helm, I think was a good step in his development that he has not really taken much – to this point he had a few games like that last year uh, and now this year he's doing it again so hopefully he can start to build on that and just kind of flip the switch of i'm in a different category than every other basketball player i do not have to make the right technical play every single possession
0: they they there's a change in their in their offensive style, I think, and they tried it in the second half where they really started to hunt mismatches with SGA. They really tried to, okay, we got Maxi on you. I can get past you. You're a big. You're not as fast as me. I got Brunson on me. Okay, I can go over the top. Like I got Tim Hardaway Jr. on me. I can do anything against you. <laughs> like, they just tried to like hunt all the mismatches with SGA, and I thought that, that was really smart, especially since they were already switching on the defensive end. They had the personnel to do it, so you might as well just do it on the offensive end as well and play it Kind of like a you would play a playoff game, right? With that mismatch hunting that you know teams do, and so it was really working for him. And I thought that was a big thing that he got uh in his favor and was able to take advantage of. And then the 11 of 12 from the free throw line, like he was getting foul calls all over the place. He talked about we talked about weird officiating. Uh, that was to his benefit for sure, him and Luca. Shea was 11 of 12. Luca was 12 of 14 in this game. Those guys were living at the line in this one. Um but yeah, it was. A, I thought it was an incredible game from him. Thirty-four points, six boards, five assists, two steals. Um, really good, good leadership. I thought from him, and uh, you can just tell he's the best player on this team. And man, I was telling you before, I think this this Thunder team, if you can get the number one, right, the the John ja Morant type, if you can get that, and SGA is your second, like your secondary, then all of a sudden, I mean, how you're two or three years removed from being this this Grizzlies team right now, right? It they seem like they're. Being built in the same kind of mold
1: yeah and, and luckily with the, the draft capital of thunder having the future and then uh, a fortunate break for the thunder a really tough break for the clippers but the clipper situation right now where they might not have paul george acquired for the rest of the season and that pick is totally unprotected in no Oklahoma city uh, between those two picks this year the thunder's own pick and the clippers pick plus the future capital they should have a good shot to trade up in this draft if they don't get the lottery luck because you'd imagine the Thunder are going to be one of the three or four worst teams in the NBA, so their odds are going to be significantly higher to have their pick in the top five. And then the Clippers might be a bottom 10 team as well, depending yeah, on how these injuries unfold. So then you have two top 10 picks, maybe, in the in the greatest world there is in the lottery luck lot for the Thunder. And that's an easy way, an easy route to trade for something significant to get you a guy to pair with Getty, to pair with SGA. And this team is pretty close right now. I mean, this game against the Mavericks, there's been games like this before where tonight the, the thunder abnormally shot bad at the free throw. They've been, they've been really good at the line this season tonight. They shot 79%, which isn't terrible, but isn't their standards of operating. And whenever you lose by two, those missed free throws come back to haunt you mentioned the two out of, out of timeout plays where the thunder usually excel at that they just struggled in and could not get their action developed and could not get even a shot off either time uh, to tie or take the lead against the Mavericks late in this game. And so uh, the thunder are right there. and, it's interesting because it seems like there's a one ping pong ball away where if they get that ladder like this year between Paolo, between Chet, between Jabari Smith, if they can get one of those three guys, plus have still have historic draft capital, even with that draft selection out of the way, uh, they can really dictate the market and fill out this roster quicker than expected and get back to the postseason relatively soon. It will, at that point, really just come down to how fast can they develop and, and no and no more kind of tanking, but just how fast can this young team naturally develop?
0: And stop like getting veterans and then trading them for a first round pick. Like, can continuing to flip like to do the right. the fixer upper move? Right. When can they stop doing that? Maybe never. They'll just continue to do it.
1: It's a it's a good bargaining chip for the Thunder in the small market where you know you're not going to get top tier free agents and you're going to have to build through the draft forever. Even whenever you have uh, the destination part. I mean, Gasol wouldn't come to the Thunder because they didn't have the right theaters and and he wouldn't sign with them. Even <laughs> whenever they had three future Hall of Famers on the team and. You had Al Horford locked in in his prime, but then Kevin Durant went to Golden State, and that fell apart. So it's like you've never really had fancy luck. You know, even whenever you had historically great teams and a ton of Hall of Famers like Russell and Kevin Durant and Abaka and Harden, and you just never could get him to sign anyway. So you're always going to have to build through the draft even after your roster's kind of put together, or at least both of the trade market and the best trade assets are draft picks. So getting them for a guy like Kendrick Williams this year maybe and getting them for a guy like Al Horford on, a, on his last leg that's gonna be very beneficial for the thunder long term
0: I want to give a shout out to Jeremiah Robinson Earl because I'm pretty sure I was sitting behind his family tonight because I saw two J- jRE jerseys in the in the same row and I, that that's a coincidence I cannot believe in so if you're J- if you're Jeremiah Robinson if you're the Robinson Earls out there shout out to you guys for supporting your supporting your guy out there uh, other guys that stood out to me Lou Dort man that guy can still defend and his confidence in his three-point shot. If you like, if you don't watch Thunder like I don't, and then you watch them again, you're like, "Oh my gosh, he's so confident in his three-point shot." That is a big change that's happened in the last couple of years. He's gone on that like Dorian Finney-Smith route of, "Hey, in in two years, I'm going to be a competent, like really actually good three-point shooter compared to where I started my career in the NBA." Uh, that really stood out to me, and he was two of five in this game. But even the ones that he missed just seemed like he was so confident. One of them he made was like in transition too. It's like, oh, a good three point shooter takes that shot, and he was taking them. And he is great
1: from the corner. He doesn't shoot much from the corner.
0: He usually gets his shots from above the
1: break from the corner. He's over forty five percent from three, so he's really improved. And and that's kind of a sign to me of how legitimate the shooting is. If he's a part of this team long term, like we can all expect him to be or hope he can be, uh, then you'll see him start to shoot in the corner more because you're going to have different perimeter players that will operate above the break. And so whenever you slide him down to the corner, he's already shooting 45 46% from that area according to cleaning the glass. And so that's going to be the shots he's more comfortable with taking, and that's going to be the shots that kind of naturally unfold for him as this roster gets more and more playmakers, gets more and more offensive-heavy players and like Jabari Smith, like SGA, like Josh Giddy, that'll push him further to the corner and not so much uh, shooting from the coach stripe or shooting from you know, the top of the key. And in those areas, he's thrived in really his entire career, but specifically these last two years, he's been really, really good on corner threes. And that's kind of the key to success for the Thunder long term in the sense of finding his offense. I think they're going to do that particularly well as they get a better roster around this team.
0: I was disappointed I didn't get to see any like masterful Josh Giddy moments in this game. But what's your give me just your like I guess elevator pitch or your take on where Josh Giddy is in his career right now. What do you think his ceiling is? Like what is his whole uh what's his whole deal I guess <laughs> give, me, give me the whole breakdown on him.
1: Uh, well, the ceiling for Josh Giddy to me and, and surprisingly enough to me, I went on an NBL podcast and my ceiling blew them out of the water. I expected them to be kind of homerish about Josh Giddey. I I apparently am higher on Josh Giddey than they were, Uh, but the the, the big thing today was his three-pointers, two for four from three. Since coming back from COVID protocols, he's been excellent from three after being dreadful to start his career, and he has openly admitted he has to change his jump shot mechanics. He has to change his shot, but you can't do that within the season. He said this offseason, him and Mike Wilkes are going to get into the lab, and they're going to change his jump shot, and we're going to see what that looks like in the future. But even with this jump shot that he admits has to change – He's kind of found his stroke a bit from beyond the arc this season as of late. But the big thing for Josh Gates, to me, his ceiling is Jason Kidd. I mean, that's a Hall of Famer. That's a top 75 Mm. player of all time. He is an excellent passer. He's an excellent decision maker. And his assist numbers could be even higher if this team was kind of, again, fleshed out with better players on it. I think that he also is not playing with a traditional big man, which might hurt him a little bit in that playmaking area. And he already has some traits about him that are simply elite. He's an average defender, so he can be good at staying in front of you and slang his feet defensively. He's not going to blow you away. He's not going to be Lou Dort, but he's also not going to be a turnstile on that end. So that end's kind of taken care of. On the offensive end, he is an elite floater. Like He has an elite floater game that, yeah. with his passing ability, if you give him a big man to lob to, that floater just kind of branches off from his scoring tree a ton of different options uh, for Josh Giddy out of that floater. And then also just the crazy passes he makes. Being an elite inbounder as well helps you in late-game scenarios. Having an inbounder you can trust is huge in the playoffs. It is critical in the playoffs down the stretch in those out-of-timeout scenarios. And so at, if he can get that three-point shot to uh, come around where you have to respect him, it doesn't have to be incredible, but if you just get 33%, 35% where you have to play him at the perimeter and then allow him to dribble past you and set up something for someone else – that's a big deal. If you have to play like Ben Simmons, though, maybe that stunts his growth a little bit. So we'll see how his three pointer develops, and that's kind of the key for him and the difference in him being a nice starting player and a Jason Kidd level starting player, where he's a championship level player, a Hall of Famer, and somebody that can really lead your franchise. So the ceiling is very, very high for Josh Giddy. and you know, uh, on draft night, it was a very puzzling at the time, but it's really paid off.
0: That's true. It looks it looks a lot different than it did on draft night. I think that it's been uh, it's been a a pretty good decision because you look at some of those guys. I mean, Kaminga's had some moments and he hasn't gotten as much playing time, but Franz Wagner. Okay. Davion Mitchell, you know, fine. Can be good book night. I mean, there's not really anybody below like Shingun maybe, but it seems like that's more of a Rockets fans love him. than he's actually, (laughs) he's
1: actually Just use poker. Like anytime Shingun does something great, Rockets Twitter just floods to Twitter and like, Clips all the tweets and everything about Shingun. I'll
0: yeah, go watch Jackson's YouTube channel anytime he puts the like. Literally, his hack is he'll just put Shingun's name in the title of a video.
1: And I respect that. That could have been us in Oklahoma City, but uh, <laughs> we needed true. a couple more first-round picks.
0: Yeah, he traded. He basically drafted him and traded him away. Um, but yeah, I don't know if there's anybody below that that you feel really bad about at this point. At least you know, halfway through a rookie season.
1: Yeah, obviously it's still early, but as the early returns right now is that Sam Presty hit this pick out of the water. And no matter what that becomes in the future, you had to nail pick six to start this rebuild. First year of a true rebuild, you must hit pick six after getting some terrible lottery odds. And he did. And so now what happens whenever Sam Presti might get lottery luck this off season, maybe gets even another, another blue chip prospect to go with Giddy and SGA and Dor, and whatever you think that train man and Jerry can become. And then you've got five guys you feel good about plus a historic mountain of draft picks Let's, let's dance. Let's see what you can trade for in the open market. I mean, the drama is around the corner in the NBA. There's always going to be that disgruntled star and the Thunder are lined up a little bit with these draft picks to capitalize on that.
0: If you want to dance with Locked on Thunder, go subscribe to the podcast. Go ahead and go on the YouTube channel as well. Go check out Ryland. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Mavs, making us your first listen every single day. Now go make your second listen, Locked on Bets, your daily one-stop shop for all your gambling needs. Locked on Bets, hosted by your boy Q, has expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. It's free and available on all platforms. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Locked on Mavs and Thunder Crossover.
1: Peace out. Boom!